Let's go. Hello, and welcome to Sustain Open Source Design. Is it Sustain Our Design? No, it's Sustain Open Source Design. Yes, yes. Sustain Open Source Design. SOS. <laughs> what are you <laughs> Hello and welcome to Sustained Open Source Design, the podcast where we talk about the confluence of open source and design. How do they go together? How do they work? What are all the parts in between? Super excited to talk to our guest today, an open source designer, like most of our guests. Before I introduce him, I want to make sure you know who the other voice is on this podcast. I am Richard Litauer. Hello, everyone. Nice to be here, as always. And my fellow in crime today is Django Skarupa. Django, how you doing? I'm doing well. It's just about the weekend, and it's been a beautiful day so far, although I think there's rain coming in about an hour been a beautiful day, but the winds were great last night. 300,000 birds flew over my county. That's not important to anyone but me. Isaac is our guest today. We have Isaac Sixtus Chizaram, who is joining us, or Zara, as he goes by, as personal brand. Isaac, it is great to have you on today. Calling in from Abuja, how are you doing? Hi, Richard. Hi, Django. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. It feels like a dream come true because I've been hearing about Sustain Open Source podcasts and yeah, being someone that designed the logo for it, it's like a dream to be sharing my insights about my journey as a brand designer and how brand designers can contribute to open source. It's awesome to have you. We don't often get people who have heard about it and want to be on it. So this is just really exciting. It seems like we're more important than we are. But no, this is great. This is excellent. Thank you for coming on. We're honored to have you. For those of you who don't know, Isaac is a brand experience designer with over five years of professional experience in design and a track record in brand communication, community management, and marketing design on a global scale. He's done a ton of work. He's gone to all of the conferences you can go to, FOSH Asia, FOSTEM, Open US Summit Asia, I make FOSH, blah, 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 blah. And he currently works at Flipside as a brand designer. He also works as a core team member for Web3 Africa and a council member for Curators DAO and a visual oversight for Near Protocols Guild of the Year. So does a lot of stuff, contributed to a lot of open source projects like Drupal and Python and Linux Foundation, Public Health, open source design. So very prolific and active open source designer. I think because of all of those different things that you do, Isaac, my first question is when you wear a hat, do you consider yourself an open sourcer or do you consider yourself a designer? Which one do you fall into more? I'll consider myself a designer first. A woman second and then an open source designer third. Yeah, I had to add a third one. <laughs> yeah, because what gave me the privilege to be able to contribute to open source because I had a design skill. So if I had no skill, there was no way I would have been able to work with the amazing people I've been able to meet so far. So a designer first, a woman second, and then an open source designer. I love that phrasing of the privilege to contribute to open source design to open source because you have design skills. That is a rare statement. It is an awesome statement. Tell me more about your journey through open source as a designer. How did you get started? So it has been an inspiring one for me. Yeah. So this is coming from me and it's also inspiring me. Well, being that person that always question everything, how everything works, the universe, the clock, why water runs from the ground, why do you have the sea, why do birds fly and all that. 
And I got into design out of curiosity. I love like visual things. I love how people were able to transcribe something from your imagination to the visual element. How I got started into open source was quite a fairy tale. I remember speaking with Peace Ojeme. I was like, hey, Peace, I'm kind of stuck. I'm doing like a lot of things. I'm just all over the place. How can I focus my ikigai on a particular thing? Where can I meet people of like mind and say, hey, Zara, come here. Like, here's the light. Come to open source. Let's do this, okay? And I remember speaking with Samsung Goody too. But here, I think the first conference I ever attended was an open source conference. If you all must have heard about Oscar Fest, yeah, that was where everything all popped, you know. <laughs> so attending that conference on my way, you know, it was really a crazy experience because I traveled about 11 hours on road. I was tired, I was drained and I was hoping for the best, right? And the best came to me. Couldn't believe that attending that conference could literally change my life. Because attending that conference, I met so many open source maintainers, open source contributors, so many design leaders in that space. I think that was when I met Ariel Fox. I met Richard Norflock. I met Samsung Goody in person. I met so many amazing people all over the continent at that particular conference. And I left that conference not just as Zara or a designer. I left as a program committee member for DrupalCon 2020. And that was like, a stepping stone to greatness. So that's my little story about how I got started into open source. I love that. Oscar is amazing. I am looking forward. I hope to be able to go. It looks like it's going to happen this year, which is great for yeah. listeners. It's happening June 15th to 17th in Lagos. So I can't wait to go there too. That's awesome. So you said that you ended up being on the committee members for the organizing committee for DrupalCon. Now, what did you help design for them? How did you use your skills there? Actually, there were so many things to do at that particular time. What actually helped them to do was to make sure that I made their website very usable and very functional. So not like I designed the whole website. I created a visual asset that I shared with developers and the stakeholders. And I led for the part of designing marketing materials for these conferences. So I think this is something that have happened over time. Some open source softwares and open source conferences don't have a lot of engagement, a lot of attention coming towards it because though we have talented devs, maintainers, contributors, we lack that visual effect. So when I came on the team, all thanks to Rachel Northlock, I focused on making sure that I made our conference easier to be accepted out there. So I started by designing the social media graphics. I worked with Shark to actually make that happen. And ever since then, it has been amazing. I can remember after doing that with Shark and the rest of the team, I was offered, you know, to become a program committee member for the next year because the return of investment came out well. There were so many attendees. Though they were doing publicity, but the visual design that I made for them helped to make everything pop and they wanted that effect again. Rachel Norfolk is the best. That's really cool. I want to skip ahead of it. What do you do at Flipside? So Flipside, I work as a brand designer. I recently joined the team. And what I'm doing right now, I am building the brand identity and making the visual assets cohesive across all marketing channels. 
So Flipside is like a very big data analytical platform for Web3 and blockchain users. And it helps to keep you afloat on what is happening in this space. And having like one of the biggest the community for like data analysts. So I also work on that side to make sure that the brand that we are designing for Flipside is being maintained across those platforms. And it has been great, though it has been like a new challenge for me because this is the first time I'm working in a team of close to 100. It has been great working as a sole brand designer for the team. And to drop like a hint, we are rebranding. So that's like one of the perks I came with. So I joined the team and I decided to like make everything refreshed. So in the coming months, you will see the new flip side. You're flipping a new side. Excellent. Yeah. Super cool. Okay, awesome. Web3 is amazing because a lot of it is based on open source, right? Blockchain technologies don't work unless you have open source technology, which allows you to replicate nodes. I'm curious, as you've moved from OSCA, which is more traditional open source, into the Web3 space, have you noticed a difference in the communities and how that affects your abilities as a designer to work with people? A lot has changed much. It's just the community is quite different. I can see that in Web3, you will see more people that are very hyperactive. And most of the time, it's through the scammers and people that just want to take other people's money and all that. But Web3, you see more energetic people. People want to help you for no reason. People want to show you how to get this done. People want to help you set up your wallet and all that. But for open source, I would say that open source taught me how to build, take your time and build. And that's something I'm learning from this particular founder of Pempot. You should know about Pempot, a design tool. So he's ignoring the noise and he's building consistently. So being someone that I've worked in the open source space for a very long time, I'm incorporating that to Web3. So instead of making noise about whatever that is happening, I am building consistently because that's the only way to achieve greatness. You build and make sure it lasts. So all thanks to open source for giving me that refreshed mindset about building products. For example, let's take a look at VLC. I got an opportunity to design the iOS documentation, like the visual asset for that. And I can tell you for sure that VLC serves like billions of people. I started using VLC when I was age 10. Till date, I still use VLC. And VLC is open source. So that should tell you that open source has something that has been reoccurring, the beauty to stay the test of time. And I think we need more of people with this open source building the mentality in Web3 for everything to like, let's synchronize. You mentioned the phrase design that lasts in there. And since we are a podcast about, you know, sustaining open source design, I'd love to get into that a little bit more. We've talked about that at length on some other podcasts as to how do you go about building a design system that will last and work well and stand the test of time for these products and projects that haven't been time-tested yet? As a brand designer, I don't build design systems. That's for design system engineers or product designers, but I've been able to build a brand system. So for brand designers, what we build is brand system or style guidelines. So for you to be able to build something that will stand the test of time, you have to see the products with an eye of 100 years or 200 years. If you're working on an identity, you don't work on an identity based on the trend that is happening right now. Over the years, you see a designers incorporating new trends, using gradients, using monochromes, using a monogram, using some sort of like variations of identity to incorporate into brands and organizations. So for you to be able to build something that will last the test of time, 
our advice you build with a timeless mindset. So as a brand designer, you are developing an identity that will stand the test of time. Even if they keep on innovating and refreshing the identity, it will still be linked to the original identity. If this is very consistent with great brands like Coca-Cola and VLC, like if you think of Orange, you think about VLC, honestly. I think there was a time I suggested to Jim Baptist Kempte, he's the founder of VLC. I don't know if I'm correct. So I reached out to him. I was like, hey, Gene, how about we rebrand VLC? He was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and I knew that was not going to happen because whoever that worked on the original identity for VLC built it to last the test of time. So that cone did not just serve as an identity. It served as something that represents the products. So that is how you build a brand system for a company that will stand the test of time. And you also have to consider the colors. Does the color match the products? What emotions does this spark? What feelings does it create? Does it give like this sort of ripple effects? Does it make people want to come to use the product? Does it attract maintainers and open source contributors to come and use it? So that is why a brand design is very important because as a brand designer, you know, what makes you know, open source stand the test of time is when you come, even if you're not designing, you come and contribute. You give drop feedback, reach out to developers, give them insight that will help to make the product more usable and more functional for, for it to last the test of time. You know, this is something that I've done over time. I don't directly contribute to open source nowadays because of how busy I get. But what I do is I jump on a one-on-one -on -one call with these founders. Then I tell them how they can be able to make their brand stand in terms of time. How they can be able to make their products attract more users or more contributors or maintainers for it to stand and keep on innovating. I really like the idea of standing the test of time. The only way that things stand the test of time is by having a community behind them and having a process that makes it easy for people to come on board and take over where you leave off, right? Because you're not always going to be the designer for every project. So yeah. an immediate question I have is, how do you build systems in place to make sure that your brand stays? You know, Jean-Baptiste decided, oh, no, we're not changing orange. It's going to stand the test of time. And it has. But his system was that he had someone there who said, no, don't change it. I'm curious, what systems do you build for open source projects to help make sure that the design is continuous? So I think what the system that we brand designers build is we create brand guidelines. So brand guidelines have stayed for over 100 years. I know of a brand guideline that is over 100 years. It's one of the oldest universities in the United Kingdom. Brand guidelines have stayed over time and it's still ongoing. And the school, the institution is not looking to rebrand anytime. So as a brand designer, if you create the brand guideline, you put all the visual assets in place, the logo, the color, the typography, the image, and put that style guide on how it can be used across all these touch points. I make it accessible. The keyword there is accessible. For everyone that will be working on this project, whether you are away or you are within or you're not longer the project, they will have a documentation to reference on. So the developers will call it documentation, but designers, we call it brand guideline. For example, how I actually got onboarded to Flipside was I got hold of the existing brand guidelines. So what I did was I used what they had to build on what I want to do. And the refreshed identity is not far from the original or the existing identity right now. So the first designer that worked on the brand helped build like a foundation of what is guiding right now. So as a brand designer, building like a brand guideline is very important. 
And that can be accessible. You can make that available on Pemport. Yeah, you can make that open on Pemport because there's a community file for that or Figma and other design tools that exist. I really appreciated your remark there where, you know, what devs call documentation, we refer to as brand guidelines. They're all one and the same. I've spoken about this publicly where oftentimes when you're trying to build or grow a community, when you're trying to attract that design contribution, the first thing that you need to do is build a design documentation, you know, brand guidelines. What are your first steps when you run into something that has a visual design, has a brand that's been designed, but has no branding systems, has no branding guidelines, has no documentation on that in any front. What do you do in that case? So in this case, this is like a tricky question, but I'm going to take it from a different point of view. So if I'm actually in a position where I'm contributing to a project and they need to like give them like design a brand guidelines or a style guide for them, and they have everything in place, like the logo, the marketing materials and all those, but they don't have like a guideline that will guide whoever that will be coming to contribute in the future. So first of all, what I'm going to do is, because it is very, very hard to create something that will be cohesive if there is no guide. Just imagine when you walk into an open forest without a compass. How would you find your way back? For you to be able to find your way back and forth, you need to like tell yourself the truth, reach out to the stakeholders and say, hey, let's do something. Let's create a brand guidelines. And when you're creating a brand guidelines, you need to show up things that are not wanted. So that means creating a brand guidelines for products, open source software, or on an organization that have all those things in play without a guideline, you will need you to scrap what is existing to bring the new ones. I have a reason for that. If you ask me, I will say bringing guide will make everything consistent. It's very difficult to create a guide and try to take old elements into the guide. If there's an old brand guideline existing and you are designing like a new guideline, it's easier to incorporate that into your new guideline. But if there's no guideline existing, the best thing to do is to scrap out whatever thing that is currently happening or used for their marketing purposes or their product launch and whatever and create a refreshed brand guideline because that is the best thing to do. What's really hard about open source projects is that they often have a core set of maintainers or founders who have worked on the project and have very strong opinions on how the project should go. And then you have potentially thousands of people who are contributors and potentially millions of users. How do you go about working to get information from these three groups and whatever other groups I forgot to mention in order to build a consistent brand guideline that pleases everyone? What are the tricks you use? Because open source, I feel like, is a tough nut to crack there. It all depends on who you're working with. If you're working with a founder that understands the importance of visual design, it will be a lot easier. Over time, I see this room of light around that open source engineers are like the hardest to work with. <laughs> yeah, because they are focused on shipping. They are super talented in terms of the codes and all that. But in terms of the visual elements, the things that spark curiosity, it's the part that retains users, the thing that chat contributors to come, that's like a lack in that place. And over time, you see that people feel connected to a particular community software that has like an identity. So reason why we all can connect to VLC is because VLC, and I don't know why I'm using VLC, but <laughs> I love the product. So reason why we all can connect to VLC is because VLC has something that they have built over time. They have built a product 
that don't just work, but also solves problems. VLC uh, media player and other uh, products solve key problems in making sure that media files and other applications is accessible to everyone. So in this case, if you are communicating the effect of design, the importance of design to this founder, you also let them know that, okay, if you make the design more better, if you increase the experience of this interface, we are not just going to attract people between 30 to 45 of age you might target people of 15 to 25, right? Because the youngies, the youths, the teenagers, we all love things that are playful. I don't know, colorful and all that. So that could also help to bring in a new user, different user base to your product. I can see your product going from like a zero to hundred or like from a 10 to hundred. So design is very important. There is something I wanted to highlight about brand design. And that thing again, the brand design actually does in this whole scenario is that even if you are not putting in the design work there, the fact that you created something that will help to like communicate the value and the mission of the products. The reason why you can pitch your products to investors and the investors is because you have a pitch deck. If you really want to go on, jump on a Zoom call with them or come on like on a one-on-one coffee chat, it might be hard to sell whatever greatness you have within you if they are not seeing it speak visually. So that is why brand designers will come in. We solve that problem, make things happen. We attract new base. You attract contributors, attract people that wants to join this community and see how things are working. That's because a different workforce, a different visual force is on this area. Yeah, so that's it. You touched on a few things that I don't hear a lot. I want to dig into at least one of them. Most open source projects are mainly projects on GitHub or GitLab or Codeberg, any of those. And most of them don't have large websites or something. VLC is an outlier. Fedora is an outlier. Majority of projects are just sort of not interesting to anyone, but a few people who are like, oh, this is cool. A readme is the basic input to those projects. But the readme only really appeals to people who already kind of know code. And it doesn't appeal to the youth, 15 to 27, the same way it would appeal to investors. I'm curious, if you're just working with a normal open source project, whatever that means, how would you help them improve their pitch to get not just contributors, but also young people and also people from different targets? Is there anything you would do to improve the way a project looks? Yeah. The way to sell a product is by communicating the value to people out there. No matter how great looking or visual looking, even if you have the best logo out there or the best interface, if your product doesn't have value, it won't sell. So as a brand designer, I see ourselves as value makers. We see ourselves as innovators. So when I come into this particular in a position, then what I would do is I'll make sure that I will create a particular system that makes everything works. So we reach out to the founders and let them, or the stakeholders and let them know, okay, see, since we are going to be taking a turn and we are looking to like get investors, we are looking to get more users, this is what we are going to do. The, the honest truth here is to change how the look and feel our website is going or change how our marketing is being perceived. By doing that, we are not just communicating our products, we are selling ourselves, we are selling what you have in store. So if you check out for so many open source projects that are very popular or open source organizations, they have something in common. They are becoming on brand. 
they are adapting to the power of visuals. You see them invest so much in creativity. You see them invest so much in making sure that they can distinctively explain and give some sort of description about how what their project does and how it helps people. And this can actually happen when you are able to like design systems and make that happen. So as a designer, you want to help your open source projects make sales. First thing first you have to do is take on your role, create pitch decks that are visually appealing. Before you do that, you must have created the brand guidelines. All those things must be on brand, right? So after you do that, you also conduct like the user testing on the website. Look for a way to make sure that the user experience for the onboarding on your website is very, very easy. This is something that I give it all for folks like GitHub, blank, blank, blank. All these organizations are making open source onboarding seem easier. By putting all these in place, you see that you attract not just people that want to contribute, but people that will get interested in what you're doing and even take on a vision. Okay, hope you all have heard about Ruth Kega. So Ruth Kega, she is leading a Chaos Africa. So the reason why she's leading Chaos Africa is because Chaos on his own body must have built system that lasts, system that have created like a particular voice and identity for itself. And the reason why you can be able to identify chaos, one, the identity, two, their value, and three, think how it's community driven. So if you are community driven and you are value oriented, you lack that visual part. It's going to be very, very hard to communicate to people. For each time I see the chaos logo, I think about Ruti Kiga. I think about Chaos Africa too, because that identity has done something to my brain. Same thing with their posters. The same thing when you do like their AMA workshop and all those things. All those things helps to attract maintainers, helps to attract users and contributors to make this project better. I can tell you for sure that the body that created Chaos is not checking how or trying to overlook how Chaos Africa is going right now because they, have, they must have built the system that have been able to like make attract users to come, attract contributors. And these contributors now are building on what has been made existing. I always say this branding actually or brand design helps to take off heavy responsibilities on founders because it's built system that enables people to come and take it off from there. Awesome. You mentioned that it's really important for users to be able to be onboarded, which is awesome. Totally agree with that. And it's really important. And a lot of open source projects don't think of that well. The install instructions are really important, but even more than that, the community instructions are really important. One of my questions for you is you've mentioned investors a few times. Investors is one model of funding open source. I don't think it's a particularly good model, but it is a model out there. I'm curious yeah. if you have worked at all with open source projects that are looking to get sponsorship or looking to sell their product in like a thin crust open core model or something, which would allow them to be sustainable without having to go to investors. Have you looked at all in how to build design systems for open source that encourages contribution financially? I've not been in that position to build something for that, but I know that if you are building like an open source project, you want it to be like a community funded project, right? Or maybe investor funded projects. You have to make sure that it is easy for people to like fund you. Your website should communicate your value, communicate what your community is all about, or what your project is all about. And then that should be like an easy access for you to be funded. I think I've been in that position whereby I wanted to like fund someone and I had issues like navigating to the website. 
at some point I was like, oh, I'm tired. And then I give up. So that was how that person lost that token. <laughs> so just imagine if designers could help make this accessible. You make sure that your website or whatever thing that you have, like it have a good user experience in onboarding people to like contribute and help your project grow. That's something that is very key that I would advise anyone to do. One of the things that strikes me about you is that you've managed to work on these really awesome projects, VLC, Python, Django, DrupalCon, et cetera. How do you mentor people? Have you brought people on under you to help share the work that you've done so far? Oh, well, I'm still a curious learner. I don't know if I can, that part was a mentor, but I guide people on the particular part where I've actually worked. So in open source, I've helped people on board in open source. I can't remember, I can't, let me just, an estimate of 50 designers have contributed to open source through my advice and my leadership so far. And it has, for few that have been consistent, it has been like a life-changing experience for them. That's great. I think we all have something to give. It's hard for me too. So I'm right there with you on that one. It seems like you have a really awesome story where you're able to work really well with other people. You're able to see a project and figure out how to help. What's hard for you about design and open source? I wish stakeholders or founders could give more designers the creative liberty or freedom to express how they feel on their products. I don't know how to say this, but sometimes engineers could get so attached to how their code should be or how they want the project to look, forgetting that these projects they are building should be put in a particular way for it to be able to be sold to millions of users or millions of existing users out there that would likely want to like onboard. But giving like brand designers the creative freedom to express how they want the look and feel of the product should look like is best. You know, I've been in that point where I was given that creative freedom and I knew how far it took products and how it got more recognized. Okay. For example, let's give it up for Oscar Fest. So Oscar Fest is not just known for being a conference that brought so many open source leaders, designers, devs together, but it has something in common that they do every year. So they have like a design team. So this design team cuts across the event branding. So the event branding comes out great each time they work on it. For every year that they, there is an Oscar fest, there's a different team. So the team helps this conference have like an identity. People want to connect. People want to feel like everything is interlinked. I could remember the first conference had like the visual system, right? The icons, the illustrations we are link to tribes in Africa. So you could see how it was connected to the roots and everyone that attended that conference could relate. So this also helps in a way that most founders might not know, though sometimes it works. I've seen open source projects launch without good design and the steep blow up, but it's not just about blowing up. It's about adding more users. It's about being relevant in the space as we keep on entering decades upon decades. Thank you for sharing. That's awesome. We are running up on time. So I want to ask, what's next for you? Are you having any conferences on the horizon? Do you have any cool clients coming up that you want to talk about? Any projects you're thinking about starting at the moment? Actually, right now, currently working on personal projects. It's just about branding, but infusing storytelling into it. So far, lately, I've been playing about storytelling. I've been looking for ways to be able to incorporate storytelling 
into brand design. And I did that with Project Mute Your Mic. I don't know if you have heard about that. There's a side project that I worked on in 2020, 2021 that popped, right? So I've been busy to work on another passion project, but we're working on the passion project this year and next year. Why I keep on handling design, leadership and affairs at Flipside. Nice. Look forward to seeing that. If you have a link, it'd be great to drop it in the show notes as well. Listeners, you can find the show notes on podcast.sustainoss.org. Isaac, where can people find you on the web and learn about your work? You can find me on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Instagram, and my website. But Twitter works so much for me and LinkedIn. So reach out to me on Twitter and LinkedIn if you want us to connect and chat about brand design and open source. Awesome. Thank you so much. Super cool. What is your Twitter handle? Isaac Zara underscore. Awesome. Zara. Z-A-R-A. Yeah. That was great. Isaac, this has been excellent. Don't leave yet. This is now the time for Spotlight. Spotlight is where we have special sections set aside to talk about projects, people, code packages, dog toys that have been particularly influential to you and to your career or that you just think need some light shed on them. Django, what is your spotlight today? Well, I'll do it because we were talking about mentorship earlier and they're not here today so I can talk about them. No one in open source. Now, I have been extremely lucky in open source with, I will say, easily 10 extremely important mentors who have provided me with feedback and opportunities to no end, Ruth Ikega being one of them, and another one being Errol Fox, who has done so much and given me so many opportunities and presented with me at conventions And just really is an all-around incredible person to work with and to know at work and work with. Truly, I cannot speak highly of them enough. Errol is awesome. I agree with that. I'm also going to highlight a colleague, coworker, whatever we want to call them, which is Chirmnaya Ibium. They are the best. So Chirmnaya has been coming to many of the open source calls that we have at Sustain, some of the working groups. And the reason I'm bringing him up today is because at one point he said, can you throw me a code project? And so I threw him a project to basically make a Python script that would email me every day. And so every morning at 6 a.m., I get an email that tells me what birding hotspots in my neighborhood have not been birded on that date in history. And I use that email like every day to plan my morning walks. And it's really great. And I'm just so grateful for Jerem Naya for actually building it because I had it on the back burner forever. And the opportunity of someone asking, hey, can anything like I can build for you in general or in general allowed that to come into existence. So thank you, Jerem Naya, for being amazing and writing that script. I appreciate it every day. You're the best. And Isaac, what is your spotlight today? So we'll bring... uh... Rachel Noflock on the spotlight. Rachel Noflock met them in 21. I don't know if that was the first Oscar Fest. I think 2020, yeah. So I met them at Oscar Fest and that was literally how my journey began. They have been an incredible help in my journey. I could remember reaching out to Rachel and she was always like, hey Zara, you got this, you know. The encouragement got me this far. 
even though that I was placed on that position to lead, organize DrupalCon conference, I wouldn't have been able to learn about open source and keep on learning about open source to the point where I'm sharing my insight and bringing people and onboarding them to open source. So all cheers to Rachel Norflock. Rachel is the best. I also agree. So many good people in this community. That's great. Like you, Isaac, thank you so much for coming on. Listeners, you're also part of this community. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. If you have, there's a few things you can do afterwards to show your appreciation. One, you can like us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you are downloading and listening to this thing. Two, you can tell other people about it. We don't do advertisements, so let people know that you think it's a cool podcast. Three, you can suggest guests for us. Do you think you should be on the podcast or someone else? Let us know. You can do that by emailing sosdpodcast at sustainoss.org. That goes to all of the hosts. And you could also send comments our way. If you wanted to show love, appreciation, or hate mail, that's where you send it. That would be great. <laughs> you can also learn more about the podcast and download other episodes and see the show notes for this episode at sosdpodcast.sustainoss.org. We have a discourse there as well. We also have Mastodon and Twitter. Reach out wherever you can. We are waiting. We are listening. We are here to talk about you. So finally, Isaac, Zara, that was amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. And I wish you the best and have a good evening because I think it's pretty late for you. So thank you for coming on. Thank you so much, Richard. 